guys, Derek here from Bomb Socks, and welcome to the Bomb Bites podcast. Hey, if you're new to Bomb Bites, it's a service from our company, Bomb Socks, to help be a resource to use. You're studying along with the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hope you enjoy today's episode. So we're concluding this week of Come Follow Me with what I call one last crazy, weird, kind of funny, hard to understand, but pretty instructive story for today. And you're probably like, Derek, welcome to the Old Testament, right? So you go to Exodus chapter 32, all right? You go to verse number one. It says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount. Now, Moses had been gone up to Mount Sinai again for 40 days and 40 nights, okay? It says, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron, that's Moses' brother, and said unto him, up, make us gods, that's lowercase g there, which shall go before us for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what became of him, or we don't know what happened to him. And so I want you to kind of think of the, the human side of what's going on with the children of Israel here, is they're sitting there waiting. Moses has been gone for 40 days. It's not like he can shoot Aaron a quick text and be like, hey, be patient. I'm going to be down soon, just so you know. You know, they do little Zoom call. Hey guys, I'm up here on Mount Sinai. Um, we're having a great time right here. Uh, I'll be back in about a week. So if you guys will just be patient, this was not their mode of communication back then. So they're sitting down there. They're just like, Moses is gone. And then all of a sudden, a week later, where'd Moses go? And here we are 40 days later. They don't know if he's dead. They don't know what had happened. They don't know if he just jumped ship and he's like, I'm done with these guys. I'm out. And so they are by themselves. This is a people without a leader. And, and Aaron's down there doing his absolute best. I can only imagine the pressure there. And they're just like, hey, Moses is gone. Man, this Moses, it's almost like... We don't even know who this guy is anymore. He's been gone for over a month and we don't know what happened to him. And so this is a people who don't know what's going on here. So what do they do? They go back to what they are comfortable with and they start building idols and they build this ginormous golden calf. They start dancing around it and worshiping it. Now, I think, now I want to give the children of Israel a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. I think they just didn't know what to do. They're just like, we don't know. So we'll go back to what we are used to 430 years in Egypt with the way they were worshiped. We're just going to do our best with this right here. Now, obviously Moses had taught them, this is not what you do, but they went back to what they were used to. So they built this crazy big golden calf. So you go to verse number five, it says, when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Verse six, they rose up early on the morrow, offered burnt offerings, and they brought peace offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, now here's where the Lord's up to Moses and the Lord does tell Moses, hey, by the way, your people down there, um, they're doing stupid stuff. It even says, go get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt. I love now how it's kind of like thy people, not my people. They have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They've made a molten calf. They've worshipped it and have sacrificed unto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, here the Lord is just like, All right, we're going to reboot the hard drive again, and we're going to do this again. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna destroy them all. And Moses is like, All right, time out. 
Here's where you see Moses making an atonement. It's uh, A lot of it is why a lot of the Jews will worship what's called Yom Kippur. It's a day of atonement where they're grateful that Moses saved them from God. Now, again, I don't want to make God look like he is this horrible, tyrannical, I'm going to kill all my people type of thing. But he's unhappy with the children of Israel because of what they have chosen to do. Now, in my opinion, there's a couple different lessons that can be taught here. Where you're looking at the children of Israel, you're like, man, these guys are foolish. Well, are we just as foolish? There's a quote from President Kimball, uh, President Spencer W. Kimball, modern idols or false gods can take such forms as clothes, homes, businesses, machines, automobiles, boats, numerous other material deflectors from the path to godhood. Intangible things make gods. Many young men decide to attend college when they should be on missions first. Many people build and furnish a home by the automobile first, and then they find that they cannot afford to pay tithing. Many worship the hunt, the fishing trip, the vacation, uh, the weekend picnics and outings, and so forth. And still another image men worship is the power and the prestige. Many will trample ethical values in their climb to success. These gods of power, wealth, and influence are most demanding and are quite as real as the golden calves of the children of Israel in the wilderness. So there's that idea of modern day idolatry. Another lesson that I think came to my mind as I was going through this is, as the children of Israel are sitting there going, where's Moses? They're just like, wait, this guy who brought us out of uh, Egypt, he's gone. And all of a sudden they're like, we don't know what to do. And and, and in my mind, as I was reading this, I just thought, they're like, this isn't working. And so they take their focus off of Jesus Christ. They take their focus off of the prophet who they believe is gone or doesn't really know what he's talking about. They don't even know what happened to him. And so what do they do? They go back to what they're used to. So I'm reminded of General Conference, this last April General Conference, where uh, talked by Elder Adrian Ochoa, I give a talk called, Is the Plan Working? And I kind of want to compare that for a minute as the children of Israel took their eyes off of Moses and as they took their eyes especially off of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden they forgot the promises of the Lord. They forgot about all of this and they're just like, this isn't working anymore. And so what happens? They go back to what they're used to. Now, just a few quotes from Elder Ochoa's talk where he said, our Heavenly Father has prepared a wonderful plan for our eternal happiness. But when life does not unfold the way we hoped, it might seem that the plan is not working. Now he goes into his talk and he starts talking about when the disciples were out on the water and all of a sudden this crazy storm comes up and they're all of a sudden they're just like what do we do they see Jesus on the water and Peter he's just like Lord if it's you can I come and I love how excited Jesus is he's like yeah come Peter I want you to be able to do this I want you to be able to learn how to do things like this so Peter steps out on the water and he starts walking and the moment that he takes his eyes off of Jesus Christ all of a sudden the plan is no longer working and he starts to sink. Elder Ochoa said, can I share with you three principles I learned from Peter? I pray that these principles might help anyone who feels that the plan of happiness isn't working in their lives. And he goes through and gives these three steps. The first one is to act in faith in Jesus Christ. I am in awe of Peter's faith. At Jesus' simple invitation to come, he left his storm-tossed ship. He seemed to know that if Jesus Christ invited him to do something, he could do it. Peter trusted the Savior more than he trusted his boat, and that faith gave him power to act with courage during successful, frightening situation. He goes on, if you look back in your life, 
I believe you will see that you have exercised faith many times. Joining the church is an act of faith. Speaking with Heavenly Father in prayer is an act of faith. Reading the scriptures is an act of faith. Listening to my message in this general conference is an act of faith. As President Nelson has said, do not diminish the faith you already have. So at this point, you got the children of Israel who take their eyes off of Jesus and they start focusing on their own things and their own ways to save. Well, in times of trouble, you turn to Jesus right away. When Peter was frightened by the wind, he began to sink. Peter realized what was happening. He did not try to tread water on his own or swim back to the ship. Rather, rather than let go to his faith in Jesus Christ, he held on more tightly, crying, Lord, save me. And then you go down to his third suggestion where he says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up to greater things. Now, what's interesting is Moses comes down with these commandments, these new laws. He just throws them down. He's like, you guys are not ready for this. And what happens in the next couple chapters of Exodus 33 and 34 is the Lord allows them a do-over, basically. And he gives them an opportunity to change, to repent. You go over to chapter 34, and again, he takes these two tablets of stones, gives them a little bit of a lesser law here. They couldn't handle that higher law, so he gives them a lesser law. And verse 6 of chapter 34, I think, is awesome. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundance of goodness in truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And I, I love how he gives them an opportunity to reboot and try again, which that is the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He does that for them and he does it for us as well. And so I love that message of when we get off that path a little bit, we start thinking the plan isn't working we focus back on Jesus Christ and everything works out great. I know that is true. If you'd like to check out our video that goes with today's podcast, you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook by simply searching Bomb Socks. That's B-O-M-S-O-C-K-S. And be sure to check out our amazingly comfortable gospel-themed socks at bombsocks.com. Thanks for listening and hope you'll join us again for more episodes of Bomb Bites. Godspeed and have a great day.